You're listening to the Anomalous Podcast Network. Multiple voices, one phenomenon. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to the channel. It's good to uh, it's good to be here. Um, I've been looking forward to this one. So, uh, as some of you may be aware, Gary Nolan was um, originally due to join me for my science panel that I hosted um, last week, sometime, which which was great. But you know, these things don't always pan out. So, Gary graciously agreed to give me a one on one interview, uh, and here we are. So, let's jump straight into it, guys. Let's bring in my guest for the day. Gary Nolan. Gary, thank you so much for being here. Hello, everybody. Yeah. Um, I thought I'd love to kickstart this off just to get your initial thoughts on the recent congressional hearings uh, and what you thought of them. Well, I thought they were remarkable, despite the fact that, um, you know, uh, an alien didn't materialize on the congressional floor for everybody. Um, you know, the fact that people were asking these questions in a public forum at that level of government. I mean, it really is a first time. I mean, people will tell me it happened 40 years ago, et cetera, but at least in, in uh, living memory, uh, it is a first time where you saw such incredibly well thought out questions for the people, uh, the two DOD uh, representatives, um, first of all, and second, there was a because there was the social media aspect of it, there was very quick reaction to the things that were being said. And as well, you could just see it on the faces of the of the Congress people. They were you could just see it. You could read their minds. They were saying, you're lying to us. We can we can see you dancing around the questions. And the reaction that several of them had afterwards in response to uh, reporters and things was exactly what you would want. Basically was, we're calling bullshit. Yeah. And we're not going to let you get away with this. And if you think is, this is the last time we're going to be asking questions, you've got another thing coming. And, you know, I already know that there are additional hearings coming, you know, when they will happen. Uh, not quite sure, but probably within the next few months. Um, on the Senate side and as well, probably a follow-up congressional one. So to me, that's exciting. And it's a, it's a sea change. You know, I think a lot of people who live in the, let's say the so-called disclosure world um, are wondering why, uh, you know, the whole world isn't on fire about these announcements. And I think the answer is twofold. One, there has been enough of a slow drip over the years that people are accommodating themselves to, you know, the fact, well, you know, you ask a lot of people and they go, well, of course it's here. So, and the other thing is something I've been pointing out is if it, if it doesn't change your life uh, in a moment to moment basis, if it doesn't affect the cost of fuel and the, you know, what you're putting on your table and who's going to pick up the kids, um, 
you know, it's just another fact of life now. Yeah. Um, you know, and so it really will only affect us when there is some sort of, let's say, communication. I would argue that what we're seeing is communication right now. Yeah. Um, and uh, that if some sort of technology uh, inference comes from understanding how these things are operating, right? Or if, frankly, we get a hold of some of the actual pieces of the technology and can either one prove that it is indisputably not of human origin uh, or we figure out a function of one of these objects that we can replicate that allows us to do something we couldn't do before. Yeah. Um, that's my take on it. That's great. No, I like the fact because a lot of people really were disappointed and they felt like Moultrie and, and Bray, I think it was, were just either lying or holding back or just really sort of gatekeeping the information further. But I saw a lot of positives from it. Well, I mean, I don't even think that they were gatekeeping or, or necessarily lying. I think that what it proved was that they were completely not read in to the facts. You know, the, one of the best ways to hide something is to put people out in front who know nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so if they know nothing, they can tell nothing. <laughs> no, that's a good point. And one thing that a lot of people have been discussing is, is this word amnesty, which I know that you were more happy using the term immunity. So do you feel like that is something that will be coming? Do you know if it's happening or not? Well, I know it's happening for sure. Okay. Um, it's 100% happening. It's, 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 I was speaking to some people about it on the inside and the, the wording is, you know, in the 80%, 90% done point. You know, I mean, I, I only, I was only picking on the words immunity versus amnesty because from a legal standpoint, it does have a difference, at least in the, in the US. Um, you know, and amnesty actually has a, is a broader term and can, in some special cases include, you know, pre-facto forms of immunity. Um, but from a legal perspective, you do wanna use the word immunity because let's say that you're an individual who uh, is thinking about, all right, well, maybe I should come forward. Uh, and I talk to my lawyer, right? Or I'm, I'm the person and I talk to my lawyer and, my, and I say, well, they're offering amnesty and my lawyer will, if they're worth the money I'm paying them, uh, tell me that, well, you don't want amnesty, you want immunity because you want, you know, you want predestined lack of liability. Sure. Um, so, I mean, that's the only reason for using the word, because if you use the word amnesty and people who are, let's say, legally uh, aware um, and they go to their lawyer and their lawyer tells them, well, you don't, you know, amnesty won't do you any good, then they might go back in the closet. So you, you just want to prime the field with the right words so that it accelerates and you don't get through a lot of back and forth. That's unnecessary, frankly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, I'd like to just take it back a few years. And I, I, I can't remember clearly if I heard you say this or not. But what was your relationship to the ATIP program? And I mean, ATIP under the Pentagon with Lou Elizondo. Were you associated with them at all over the years? I mean, I was, so Lou probably knew about me long before I knew about Lou, right? Um, you know, because Lou was deeply involved all the way across. And I'm not going to get into the details of, you know, <laughs> of that because there's people picking apart the words in ways that, you know, are just frankly stupid. Um, and and uh, so um, I was involved with the efforts that Lou was behind the scenes 
let's say, funding or enabling, or even though I didn't know that Lou was there. Right. Um, now, I knew of Jay Stratton, um, and I knew of the stuff that he was doing, but he was sort of the in-between of uh, Lou and um, me. Uh, you know, it was Jay and a few and a few others. So, uh, you know, the, the reason why people showed up at my door that day uh, was probably, and I don't know what the specifics of it, at least in part instigated by, uh, by Lou. Right. Okay. Um, now with ATIP, I, I mean, I'm sure you're aware of uh, ATIP, the ATIP slides and, and in particular ATIP slide cool. nine. And there were a few points on there. And I wondered if you had any knowledge on these specific Can you show points. me if you have like ATIP slide nine? I don't know what's on it. <laughs> I, I do. I could bring it up if you just bear yeah. with me. I yeah. Yeah. a moment ago. I'm a scientist. I need facts. Yeah, yeah, no, of course. Um, let me find a high-res copy. Oh, no, it's a video. Bear with me. Sorry, I should have been prepared. I wrote them down, but I guess it's always good to uh, see the file, see the image. I can't find it. I'll, I'll keep looking, but I'll say the first Let's one. Back to it. Yeah. Well, the first one was cognitive, cognitive human interface. And I wondered if that was something that you came across at all. Um, I mean, I have spoken about it with Kit a few times, um, you know, but I, I don't know really what that is about. I mean, if it, it if it's meant to imply that these objects appear to be consciously moved, then that might be it. But other than that, I don't know. Okay. Oops. I just had it. This is it here. Okay. Zoom. Oh. Bear with me. The next one I wanted to mention is something as well that you may have come across is I'm going to stop sharing for a minute. Bear with me. Sorry. I wasn't prepared for that. The alteration and manipulation of biological organisms in with I guess that's relating to UAP. But have you come across any manipulation or alteration maybe before and after a sighting or an interaction? Um. Alteration or manipulation? Does that? Are you talking about hitchhiker effect, or you're talking about people? I guess it's I, such a broad term; it could be anything. Like, gosh, I, I mean, no. I mean, uh, you know, I, I when I've been involved in, let's say, post facto analysis of a, a of an event of some kind, um, you know, we bring in trained observers. We've brought in tr a trained observer. Uh, and sometimes even a trained psychiatrist, psychologist, um, to listen to the, you know, the let's say the experiencer or the witness, um, for basically, you know, looking for those emotional body cues that are either one telling you that they're hoaxing it, sure, um, and that's usually your first concern, or two, uh, you know, picking up on their anxiety you know there are anxiety ticks that you can see which can be indicative of of a truth right yeah. um and we obviously we don't have these people hooked up to lie detectors uh or anything like that um but uh it's um you know it's it's important that you don't just take people and what they say at their word yeah. um especially if you're talking about something that is uh is you know maybe more an interpretation of an observation than the observation itself. This is my CAA handler here. 
I think she's become quite the famous dog online recently. Yes, she has. <laughs> <laughs> um, one thing I did want to mention as well is in these uh, studies that you've done of people and, and maybe yourself and your colleagues, were Delta, Theta and Alpha brainwaves ever factored into what they looked like maybe before or, or further down the line? No, no, experience? That, no that's, never been, that's never been done. That requires very specific equipment to measure correctly. You know, I, I'm not going to just buy something off of Amazon to do that kind of stuff, um, you know, because the devil's in the details and you want um, the kind of equipment that will give you uh, detailed analysis. And, you know, I, I, I mean, how unless everybody's running around with those things on their heads, how are you going to know when the stuff's going to show up? And of course, the, the biggest problem with the, let's say, the so-called science of this stuff is that it is, although it's reproducible, it's not reproducible on demand. Yeah. And so you can't necessarily have all of the materials uh, at, at the ready for this. Um, you certainly don't have it before, you don't have it after, during, and you're lucky if you can get it after. Um, and after is, you know, within a time frame that you know, whatever happened is still, you know, it, there. Yeah. It was the same problem that I had when they asked me to study the blood of these people with the, the instrument that my lab had developed um, that, uh, you know, in some cases it was years after the event. And so there just, you know, it just, there just wasn't going to be a signature. Yeah. You know, That's unless it was like totally drastic and, and we, and of the analysis we did, we never saw anything like that. Right. That couldn't be explained by just the normal noise of human variation. I see. Right. Yeah. What about the immune system? Because obviously that plays such an important part and it's almost separate. Or I've heard it suggested that it's kind of separate from the brain. It has its own brain. It remembers everything the body's dealt with throughout its life. Has that um, come into the research at all? Well, that was really what I was saying is that what we okay. were looking for was some sort of a... Um, of a change that you would expect from normal, you know, I mean, what, what is normal is a huge problem in and of itself, you know, mm -hmm. because much of your immune system, frankly, can depend on everything from what you last got infected with to, you know, what you ate this morning, you know, and is it allergy season or not? I mean, the, 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 the subtle, the subtle memory that is probably the best indicator of long-term effects are the B cells and the T cells. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, they encode into proteins, literally the memory of the, what we call epitopes is the term, but it's really the shapes of the, of the diseases that they've encountered. And that's what the whole <clears throat> COVID vaccine is about. It's giving people a shape that looks like what COVID is, and therefore you remember it. Um, but, what my lab is known for is what's called systems immunology, um, that the memory of an event is not just those specific things, but the network of interactions of cells and the correlations across the numbers of cells and their activation states that are actually sort of a, 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 a broader memory system. Uh, it's, uh, sort of the shape of the web 
uh, is the memory that I was looking for, but uh, we could see no signature that um, that tell that told us anything worthwhile. I, you know, you really need something almost immediately after. Um, you know, but then of course you need before, and the only thing that you can really do with somebody's before is rely upon you know, 300 normals and say, well, this is most likely what the before looked like. And now they are significantly deviated from the before of most normals. Yeah, no, that makes that sense. Makes it does. Absolutely. And I guess sometimes when you're limited on, on that, you have to draw conclusions, like you say, from possibilities and, and that. Right. And what would you say is the most standout result or even strange result you've come across uh, during your studies? When it comes to UAP, well, I think it's you know it's it's more an inference than a than a, a result per se, and this is the cognate patamen thing. Right. That I'll, I'll I'll try again to make sure that people don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Um, it was a side observation that amongst the people who were damaged that cohort of individuals had this caudate patamen um, phenomenon of the increased density of neural connections. And it's, it was not saying that the observations or the experience caused it. It was really saying that the people who came forward were more likely to have it than not um, well above background levels of people who have it, one in 200. Now, whether that is what you would call cohort bias, meaning it's just people who go into this these areas of, let's say, high-functioning um, areas are more likely to have it, or whether they are more likely to see something because they can recognize something for what it is and not just think it's part of the background you know, uh, I, I don't know, but I use the example of the, um, you know, in psychology class, you know, people, you're shown a video and told to watch the person playing the basket, playing with the basketball and count how many times it goes. And then the gorilla walks across, um, <laughs> don't see it. And, you know, I failed that test, as I say, um, I was completely disbelieving that they had, I thought they were fibbing, but, um, it's, uh, you know, I think it's an element of that, that people won't necessarily see it because it somehow doesn't stand out as obvious. Uh, you know, maybe it's kind of like, you know, you're, 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 it's called the mirror test for animals, right? Can the animal recognize that it's itself in the mirror? Right. Or that it's actually seeing anything in the mirror? Um, or not. And there's a sort of a level of intelligence. And I'm sorry, I'm just going to, I'm going to make the hypothesis that people with this feature are just seem to be more likely to be intelligent. Right. Or at least a kind of intelligence. You know, it's a form of intelligence. Now, when it comes to like different theories of consciousness, some people think that it's emergent, others think that it's like just fundamental. Which way would you lean more towards? Well, I, 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 sorry if I sound like I'm straddling the fence. I think it's both. I mean, I think okay. consciousness is fundamental, but that 
um, consciousness needs to be organized. And so it, it is emergent because the brain puts together matter in a way that organizes the fundamental units of consciousness into something which is self-aware right. is how I would position it. Um, uh, there's a um, physicist I've spoken about before. Um, where is his document? I think his name is Burkhardt Heim, um, German physicist. And, uh, you know, he basically has a, let's say, a theory of, uh, of space-time, uh, sort of a, a, a unifying uh, set of equations that basically says, you know, one of the outcomes of his way that he thinks the universe is organized could, at, at a certain level of organization of matter, the brain, certain right. shape, et cetera, by virtue of that shape and electrical impulses, et cetera, that instantiates an object, which he basically says is both self-aware and independent of the underlying thing that created it in the first place. It's kind of like some, you know, uh, uh, some mad scientists thing that they make in the laboratory and, you know, the, the technical help says, no, don't do it. Don't do it. He pulls a switch and, you know, <laughs> because they created something that is, you know, runs amok, you know? So I think frankly, that that's a little bit of what's going on with consciousness. I, I don't think personally that you can explain it by just consciousness by just the the neurons firing in the brain. It's not all here. There's something that is, it's organizing something behind the scenes, I think. Right. Do I have any proof of that? No. It, it's just a hypothesis and it's much more fun. To, <laughs> you know, to me, it's much more fun to think that the world is a bigger thing than what's currently explained. And because the material side of things does not appear to explain it. You have to consider alternative explanations. Yeah. Doesn't mean you have to go all the way to the woo to explain it, but it needs to be part of the solution set because you don't want to take something off the table that might be the explanation because you could be staring at the answer right in your face and you're, you're, you're busy trying to prove everything else except the truth. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. Now, when it comes to consciousness as well, people often talk about things like CE5 and that they can actually contact these beings or craft to come in and, and, and show themselves. But could it be possible that UAP and whatever it represents is just omnipresent? It's always around us and just every mm -hmm. now and again it blinks in and it it's maybe right place at the right time more than, yeah. oh, I did that. Well, I think it is. I mean, and it, obviously if you're looking for something, you know, then it's more likely to be observed because you're looking for it. I mean, I, I walk through the forest and I don't see a lot of birds, but if I was a bird watcher, I might notice, you know, I might be able to tick things off in my list of birds I want to have seen, you know, if I'm looking for it, if I'm looking for it, it might be there, you know, if I'm calling for it, maybe that's something that shows up as well, more yeah. likely. Yeah. That's a good um, way of looking at it. I, I, you know, I'm, 
I, I've never done a CE5. I have lots of friends who claim that it works. Um, well, to tell the truth, um, actually, I did go up into the Santa Cruz Mountains once with a friend of a friend, actually a friend of Jacques Vallée's, um, and um, he was a, had been a, actually a, a doctor at Stanford for a while, um, and he lives up in a cabin up in the Santa Cruz Mountains, deep into the forest up there. I didn't even know it was it was <laughs> I might have in the Amazon rainforest, you know. Um, and we did basically sit out one night. Um, with uh base with uh binoculars and and whatnot and there were some strange objects moving around um that i was like oh, that's odd you know it but it was it whatever it was it was it was subtle it wasn't like hey we're here you know here we are but um he was able to make some things happen that's interesting and that's the one thing that i really I struggle with when it comes to CE5 is that these things, if they appear for people, they only seem to appear at a distance. And I, yeah. just, I find that why can't we just have one where, Oh, it came right up to me. Maybe it has. And yeah, I've just, maybe not it's their rule, right? Maybe they have protocols on their side that say, you yeah. know, you know, the, I mean, let's say that the, the protocol is, um, don't give them the evidence that they can use to show to others only give them the evidence that can that can convince them yeah the observer and maybe it's all about self-realization and not something you can put on the front page of the new york times hmm. you know, but i also you know i think people are looking for a one-size-fits-all answer as if it's just one thing i i you know it's it might be that this is many things yeah and that what the Navy pilots are seeing is very different than the other things that people see. And I've been going back and forth with someone here in California uh, trying to get um, down to where he lives uh, because he has one of these situations where they see something multiple times. Um, and it's one of these things that, that, has, that drops material and he sees certain movement patterns that occur right before it drops material. In this case, the material is a metal. Right. And um, I'm actually trying to get Jacques. Uh, I, I want to bring Jacques to the situation because he has I, sort of a Sherlock Holmes approach to seeing things and asking questions that but it needs to be on site, you know, to grok and gestalt the, the, you know, the, the witness and the situation. I mean, that's sorry to interrupt. That sounds much like the Council Bluffs, Iowa case. It is. No, and that's what I, I've, you know, I, I've said a couple of times that there's several of these and I, you know, I mean, there are several historical ones. And then there's one that is still ongoing. And, wow. um that's about as reproducible a situation as I could ever hope for. And it's right in my backyard. Um, and that's a recent case. Yeah. Yeah. And wow. it's still, it's still ongoing. Um, and so, uh, you know, if it, I'll go spend a weekend uh, looking into it. Um, you know, it's kind of, it'll be a fun, a fun trip. Yeah, absolutely.
that's fascinating that there's a recent one that that's almost similar. Mm-hmm. And with regards to the council bluffs, is that still being analysed? The materials from that one, because I know Jacques looked at it, or is that kind of been done now? I mean, it's done. I mean, it's done to at least my satisfaction with the, you know, um, well, it's it's done in there was there was a, a singular point about publishing that paper, and that was showing people that you could put stuff through a real peer review. Mm. Um, and as much as I appreciate that there are journals out there that deal with the, you know, the, let's say the paranormal or the, you know, and there's a new journal coming out, you know, of, for, of UAP research and, and hopefully that will get the kind of respect I think it deserves. But before that occurs, before they get the kind of respect that they deserve, um, the fact that you can publish something in a mainstream journal uh, was important. Uh, and it wasn't just an opinion piece. It was a, a, a study because you can report, you can get an opinion piece in anywhere. Yeah. Um, and so it was really to show people that it can be done. And here was kind of a, a, a pipeline or a, a template of, of how to do it. Now, I do think that there's more that can be done on it. um you know deeper analysis i mean we did i mean frankly we did an embarrassingly uh you know low level analysis of the materials um and you know i'll underscore the fact that this stuff is it's expensive to do you know unless you have a materials analysis laboratory getting somebody to help you do the study you know renting the equipment time doing the analysis afterwards it's somebody's time right it's my time frankly you know and um it's uh you know so far so you know you're 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 talking you're talking a laboratory with about probably five to ten million dollars worth of equipment and so because you need like 10 different kinds of instruments now there are laboratories like that exist that exist and you can rent time on them uh but you're you know, for a full and detailed analysis, you're probably going to spend about a hundred thousand dollars per 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 detailed to to give a metallurgist or a materials analysis person the kind of data that will satisfy them. Yeah, that's right. yeah. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Why it's not just thrown around here, right. there, and everywhere. So yeah. Uh, now I know initially we said thirty minutes. I've just got a few uh, follower questions uh, okay. in the chat as well, if you don't mind. Um, First one from Dolan's bar. Uh, um, do we know if more UAP are originating from the oceans or the outer atmosphere? Gosh, I don't know that there's been a um, enough of a statistical analysis. I mean, who's going to collect that kind of information except people on the ocean? Um, you know, and the people most likely to see it are the Navy. And, and the, the Navy is both over and under. And the 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 USOs, let's say, um, the, you know, observation of something moving underwater is as as what I found it appears to be a little bit more classified in terms of it's harder to get information out from people um, because you know I think we just don't want people to know where our submarines are yeah. or what they're capable of. That makes right? sense, absolutely. Um, you know, but I mean, just look at the announcement today from NASA. Yeah, saying that they're 
entering the fray in a positive sense. So, you know, you put that kind of data together with what um, uh, Avi Loeb is doing and his, you know, he's got quite a network of individuals who are on the ready once data becomes available to help analyze it. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think it's exciting times to be living in. Uh, is it moving as fast as we would want? Or is it going to snap your fingers and everything happens? No, but you know, more than I ever dreamed of. Yeah, absolutely. Um, moving on to a question here from Lara. She says, uh, has Mr. Nolan's study looked at the changes in the pineal gland of experiences? And if so, what has he found? No, we, we haven't. Um, you know, the, uh, I mean, what would you measure? Uh, the pineal gland releases hormones. So you'd have to have a hormone test, you know, for, for that. There's no, um, size changes that we've looked at, but the pineal gland is upstream of functions involved with what the uh, caudate putamen does. So it does release hormones that change the function of the, of that. You know, what, what we've primarily been looking at now, and this is a, a sort of a follow-on study with a group at Harvard, and you can find the, the paper that we've already published on it, um, is that we've been collecting the you know, look the size variation of individuals and correlating it to either psychological or pathological or physiological states. And we're finding remarkable correlations between the presence or absence of certain features or network. It's called network correlations in the brain. Much like I talked about network correlations in the immune system It's the network mm. does the does the thinking, not the individual pieces. Um, that relate to function. What that individual I think is really asking for is what's called a functional MRI okay. or where you would do functional MRI along with brainwave, alpha, beta, gamma, et cetera. Uh, and, um, you know, that, that would tell you something about, you know, and then you, then you'd, of course, you'd want to be looking at hormone levels and stuff like that. So, you know, taking blood uh, tests, uh, that would be what would be necessary. But I would do that with somebody who is, let's say, uh, uh, let's call them an on-call experiencer, um, a, a medium of some sort. Right. Oh, you mentioned mediums there. And I know that there was a conversation you were talking about the celebrity medium, Tyler Henry, uh, right. on, on Twitter. Is that something you would actually like to analyze and look into further? Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's an ex he's an extreme case of uh, of somebody with something. I don't know what it is, and um, just being careful. I I I I don't doubt anything about how people are interpreting it, but he definitely yeah. has some capability to pick up information from the ether, however you want to define that, either in the real or in the extra real, um, that is worth understanding. I mean, how could you not? I mean, it's just, I just find it fascinating. Yeah, you know? no, agreed. I think a lot of people were quite uh, happy to see that conversation happen. So I think a lot of people feel that it, it's worth looking into. Uh, well, one more question. By my, by my mainstream friends. Like, oh my God, you're <laughs> talking about mediums now. Oh my God, Gary's off the rails. Oh, who cares? Shut up. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. don't, I don't understand why people feel that they need to corral 
your thought process uh, and what you can, I mean, half of them, you know, go to church every Sunday and praise some, you know, some old guy in the sky sitting on a throne and, and then they're yelling at me. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm with you hundred percent. Um, so yeah, just one more question, if you don't mind, before before we finish. Um, Yorne asks, what what did Gary mean by being open when talking about the hitchhiker effect? What are the foundations of that idea, can, uh, and can that be detected in the brain if someone is more open? Well, uh, you know, I I I think, well, the hitchhiker effect is something that you know happened to a few people where w when the phenomenon seemed to occur to certain people um and then they you know they they experienced it at the ranch and then they go home um yeah. and then they start experiencing it at home and other people at home see it i just find that interesting and i i, I happen to know the family that this happened to and i visited their house and i you know i i've seen the stuff that they that they drew of what it is that they saw I mean, I haven't seen this, what they saw, sure. but, you know, and it's very credible and it scared the bejesus out of them. So, you know, it's, it's an experience. Do I necessarily believe what they saw was real? No, but I believe that they experienced it. Sure. And that's an important distinction, right? You know, I call him, you know, Jason Colville Vita or whatever his name is. Uh, you know, um, you know, he tries to pick up people like him, try to pick up on these things, um, and, you know, say that I believe this, or he believes that, or, you know, it's like, no, <laughs> and relating the experience that other people have had. Um, I'm not going to demean another person's experience. I'm going to pull it out. Uh, and try to understand it and try to context it in, you know, the other things that I think are going on to try to come up with some explanation that explains the underpinnings of it. Um, you know, it's, I mean, and, and, and why not? If I am attracted and people like me, I think are attracted to questions that are unanswerable. I'm not interested in stuff that people already know. It's an important <laughs> I can find it on Wikipedia. Uh, you know, I'm interested in things that have not been answered. And so why not, why not do it? Why not go after it? Because I, I get my jollies out of that moment of aha, of having seen uh, various things and putting it together and going, wow, okay, that's it. That's so. Right. No, that's great. And I think that's what a lot of people like about you, that you, you're doing the work, you, you, you're putting in the time and uh, and it's really appreciated. Um, so we're just about to hit 40 minutes. Thank you for letting me go over slightly. I really do appreciate it, Gary. Um, I wish you all the best. Thank you in your audience. Keep up the faith. You know. We will. Absolutely. Well, you uh, enjoy the rest of your day and, uh, and yeah, take care. Bye-bye now. Okay, bye -bye. Well, guys, thank you so much. I really appreciate you guys being here. And I'm sorry if I didn't get around to asking all the questions. We were very pushed for time. Um, but I really appreciate Gary being here and, and talking. I'm going to be back tomorrow where, where I'll be speaking with uh, researcher David Marler. 
who uh, I'm absolutely fascinated by his work. So you can find all my details on my social medias. All the links are in the description. Um, yeah, guys, enjoy the rest of your day. It's been a very busy one. Uh, if you look at the stuff that came out on the debrief today, if you haven't seen it, go and check it out. And uh, yeah, enjoy the rest of your day. I'll see you soon. Take care. Goodbye. You're listening to the Anomalous Podcast Network. Multiple voices, one phenomenon.